What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. What's up, home slices? Happy New Year. It's been a minute. We took a tiny little hiatus, but now we're back at it. Crack a lacking with the wine education. And I'm so excited because we have so many amazing episodes and really interesting guests coming up in the next few weeks, months. And I just, I love Wine Face and just want to thank everyone in 2020 for all their support. Oh, and by the way, my name's Helen Johannesson and I am your host. And this is Wine Face, the podcast that's breaking down the ins and the outs of wine into snackable little bites, the education aspect, super important, what's going on, what's trendy, who's hot, who's not. No, okay, we're not a gossip magazine, but long story short, we want to bring you the best information. Maybe you're obsessed with food and wine like me. Maybe you just want to kind of show off in front of your friends. Either way, I'm here for you. And we're going to be breaking it all down and interweaving food and stories and everything. Um, And today, the last episode before we went to break, we were talking about Chardonnay, like 411, Chardonnay. And you know what? It only felt fitting to complete the other side of the Chardonnay coin, which in my mind is Pinot Noir, because they always are growing next to each other. They love the cooler climates. But before we get into Pinot Noir and WTF Pinot Noir, I just want to take a moment to talk quickly because, you know, this podcast is coming out on the 16th. We might already know what's happening with the tariffs by the time this comes out. But I do think it's really important for all my wine lovers out there to understand how serious these potential 100% tariffs on wine and other goods. It's really important, but let's just talk about wine because we could, I could digress. This could be the whole entire podcast. Basically what's going on is the administration is proposing to put 100% tariffs on wine coming from other countries, coming from Europe. Just keep it really simple. There's two different proposed tariff measures. One is more wide sweeping and includes more countries and another one is more limiting. But essentially, what does that mean when you impose 100% tariffs? It means that if there's an importer who has $200,000 worth of wine on a boat right now and it's sailing across the Atlantic Ocean from Italy, France, wherever, wines you know and love, wines like Valentina Pasolacqua, we all love those. Basically, if these 100% tariffs go through, when that boat gets to port, The importer cannot take the product off the boat unless they cough up $200,000. That's what 100% tariff means. It means you have to pay a tariff 
on the exact value of the goods that's on the boat. That makes it price prohibitive for some of these importers and distributors to actually have the ability to bring in wine because you'd have to have a huge amount of cash. And this isn't like you can put your Amex down. Like you have to throw down $200,000 in cash, like cold hard cash in order to get the product. And then what does that do to the price of the product once it gets here? Well, the importer and distributor has to account for that. They can't just eat those costs. So then that price is passed on to me when I buy it, which is then in turn passed on to you, the consumer, when you buy it. And all of a sudden wines that were once affordable are now much more expensive. But before we even get to that point, the reality is, is that most likely these wines will cease coming into the United States. And what's so sad about that, especially out here in California, is I have watched this happen over the last 10 years. We have grown a rich environment for so many different wines from all over the United States to all over the world are now being imported and distributed here. And honestly, if there are 100% tariffs, 75% of that would go away. So it's pretty devastating. Um, And hopefully it doesn't happen. And so hopefully you're getting like a throwback Thursday on this Thursday, just to be like, hey, this is what could have happened, scared straight. So that's why people in the wine world are making a big deal. I have a lot of friends who would lose their businesses, um, just shut down right away, not even like a slow burnout. They just wouldn't be able to afford to operate. So with that being said, this shit is serious, but I guess it's a game of chicken. I don't know. Our president's a master negotiator. I don't want to get into politics. So let's talk about Pinot Noir. Peanut Noir. No, okay. Don't say Peanut Noir, but it is Pinot Noir. Now listen, Pinot Noir is like an OG grape, okay? Pinot Noir is the original gangster. Like it's a noble varietal. When you say noble varietal, that essentially means that it's been around for a minute. And it is a grape that was grown in the Roman times. It's a grape that was around in the Middle Ages. It was growing with other grapes that basically aren't growing anymore, or they're very limited, or there's only like 30 hectares someplace in Italy that has Timoroso, which is one of the grape varietals, white wine that was growing back in the day. Basically, wine grapes, uh, let's just go with this. So, Pinot Noir is an OG Vitis vinifera. Now, what is that? So Vitis vinifera is the origin. It's the species of vine that was growing wild when people first discovered it. They're grapes you can eat. There are 5,000 to 10,000 different varieties of Vitis vinifera. But basically, this was the species of grapes that were growing wild, untrellised, these wild things, uh, vines ablazing everywhere way back when grapes first started being cultivated. So it's a common grapevine species, but you know, there's so many different varieties and no one knows the exact number, but Pinot Noir is one of those varieties. And part of the reason there's so many varieties is that it mutates. So there's a lot of like grapes that are derived from grapes that are derived from grapes. That is not what today's podcast is about, but Pinot Noir is one of those varieties and it's OG and it's been around for a minute and it is just a jewel in the crown of my grape loving crown. (laughs) So it's a red skin grape, makes red wine, grows in tight little clusters. One sign of it is it grows tight little clusters that make a pine cone shape. 
Uh, Pinot Noir loves a cooler climate more than a warmer one, like loves a cool climate. It grows everywhere, but most famously, it is grown in Burgundy in France. Just like Chardonnay we talked about last week, it's probably what has made Pinot Noir and given Pinot Noir the most infamy. Some of the most expensive Pinot Noir in the entire world grows there. In fact, the most expensive Pinot Noir, DRC, aka Domaine Romani Conti, grows there. Now, sidebar, this is an area, this is a house, like a winemaking family in Burgundy in an area called Vaux Romani. And basically, vines have been planted there, Pinot Noir, like way, way back in the day, like monks found this beautiful spot. When I saw it, I was like, oh, I get why DRC is so expensive. It's because the hill is literally a perfect slope, literally facing the perfect direction. And the terroir, the soil is literally perfect. But there's this like old stone wall with a cross, like monks cultivated this spot and was like, thou shalt make the best Pinot Noir. And Romani Conti was born. DRC, it's very expensive. We actually don't carry it. We could, but it's a big investment and it's delicious. And it's actually one of the best kept secrets is it's a natural wine maker. I mean, people don't talk about that, but they make everything naturally. So fancy wine can be natural wine as well. And it's really quite. So if you ever come across like a dinner party and someone has DRC or they're talking about it, don't let them pour you the other shit. Just be like, I want some of that DRC. Yo, I want to taste it. Anyway. So it's most famously, Pinot Noir most famously grown in Burgundy, where all the red wine in Burgundy, it's made from Pinot Noir. The only exception is there's small, small, tiny amounts of Gamay planted there, and usually they're blended with Pinot Noir, and that in Burgundy is called Passe to Grain, and it will be labeled that, and it's not common, and some of them are really dope, and some of them are very stringent. So the one derivation that Pinot Noir makes from a red wine outside of rosé because you can make rosé from Pinot Noir and rosé is just like a quicker impression of the skins and the juice. That's why it's pink and not red. It doesn't macerate on the skins as long. But the biggest derivation for Pinot Noir outside of the red wine category is the sparkling wine category. Pinot Noir is one of the most famous grape varietals for making fancy-ass sparkling wine. So it's one of the grapes that's allowed to be in champagne and be labeled champagne. Those other grapes are Chardonnay, Pinot Meunier, and a little bit of Pinot Blanc. But Pinot Noir is widely planted in Champagne. Some of the best Champagnes are made from more Pinot Noir than Chardonnay or 100% Pinot Noir. In fact, when you see Blanc de Noir on the label of a Champagne, that is indicating that the Champagne is made from 100% Pinot Noir. And similarly, its Italian cousin, Francia Corta, aka the Italian stallion of Champs, is also sometimes made from Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, very similarly to... Champagne, which is usually a blend of Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, or 100% of one of those varietals. So for the most part, Pinot Noir is a red wine maven flying around, fighting crime with its soft touch and cherry bouquet. Literally, though, this varietal is planted in many places. But I got to say, there are certain areas where Pinot Noir, it really flourishes. Obviously, Burgundy, top dog. After that, I think Champagne is pretty significant what Pinot Noir does there. It is the 10th most widely planted 
grape varietal in the world. <laughs> I wanted that to come out to like in the world. So 10th mouth. And listen, there's like 10,000 grape varieties. So that's pretty cool. Outside of Burgundy and Champagne, uh, there's other areas of France where you see little croppings, like significant amounts of Pinot planted, like in Alsace, in Jura. Um, then you'll also find it in Germany, California, Oregon, Washington State, Chile, uh, New Zealand, South Africa. I mean, it's really grown in some a lot of significant places around the world. But I would say outside of France, California has some of the most famous AVAs, American Viticultural Association areas, associate whatever. You know what I'm saying, y'all, for Pinot Noir. It also, Pinot Noir, is a thousand years older in its practice than Cabernet. Definitely makes Pinot Noir sound like a yogi. So it's a thousand years older in its practice than Cabernet Sauvignon. But it just goes to show how OG and significant Pinot Noir is, you know, going back to those Roman times. Romans. What's so bomb about Pinot Noir, like bomb.com, is the grace and elegance of this grape. It's like a delicate balance, even in its cultivation on the vine. So getting it from the vine to the bottle is a tightrope walk because the grapes are so tightly clustered in that pine cone shape. There is a lot of risk and things that can go wrong in the world of grapes rotting. And like, you don't want grapes rotting on the vine unless you're intentionally trying to do that to make sweet wine, which is something called botrytis, noborot. And that's a totally different podcast. And we will do one on sweet wine because I think it's really interesting. But it's important for when you're a winemaker to really pay attention to the vine, to tend the grapes as they grow, to prune, to make sure that you're getting enough shade or enough sun so the grape varietals don't rot. It's kind of a finicky plant. Uh, so Pinot Noir is not the easiest vine to cultivate. Let's put it that way. And it needs, it has a little bit of a diva, diva vibe. Pinot Noir is also a thin-skinned grape. It has lower levels of phenolic compounds, which we've talked about phenolic compounds before, but on a technical level, these are chemical compounds that are naturally existing in all grapes, and they affect the taste, color, and mouthfeel of wine. And it's all natural. These aren't things that are added just because it says chemical. It's like the natural chemical from the natural world, but it has lower levels of phenolic compounds. So all this is why Pinot Noir is classically lighter in color. You can usually see through the glass. You could read a manuscript through your glass of Pinot Noir and it is light to medium body and lower tannin. So it's not super dry. You're not going to feel like that texture of Pinot Noir. So all of this is to say that when you wrap it all into a pretty package, given that it can be a little bit hard to grow, it can also be hard to find an affordable bottle of dope-ass Pinot Noir that hasn't been exposed to a lot of new oak, I'm afraid to say. And I think that's what our journey is at the end of the day today, is like, how do you find affordable, well-made wine at all price points doesn't even need to be affordable because classically, and what happens with Pinot Noir is if Burgundy is the best example of what Pinot Noir should taste like, most people are priced out of a lot of those wines because they're incredibly expensive because the land is expensive and then getting them all the way over here. And they're goddamn unicorns. They're just beautiful to watch like zebras. 
In other countries, Pinot Noir does have other names. So in Germany, Pinot Noir is known as Spätburgunder. And I, I got to say, it tastes pretty different. Like you can taste that it's Pinot Noir, but it has a little bit more of a green component to it. Um, similarly, in Austria, it's called Blauburgunder. And so if you ever see Spätburgunder or Blauburgunder, those are both Pinot Noir, just they have different names. And there's also like up and coming hotspots. I think hopefully we see more Pinot Noir coming out of like the Niagara Peninsula in Ontario and Canada. They're already making some bomb.com Chardonnay. I have been reading about a lot of Pinot Noir being made there. So I'm really excited. And you know, the age old truth is wherever you find good Chardonnay, you're likely going to find some good Pinot Noir, hopefully, because they like the same growing climates. Um, Pinot Noir, like, listen, it might not be that sexy, trendy grape varietal on the street right now. Like, for sure, Pinot Noir is not trending on Reddit, but in my mind, it's always trending. <laughs> it's such an iconic classic grape that I think it's really important for people to get to know. It's one of my personal favorites. And people come into the shops and they ask me for Pinot Noir all the time. And I... I'm sometimes stuck, especially if you're like, hey, I want to spend $20 and I really want a Pinot Noir from France. Like that almost doesn't exist. We have a few, they're not made in Burgundy, but they're not going to taste exactly the way that I think people have the mentality around Pinot Noir and it tasting. So wine is intimidating. I mean, it kind of gets back to that thing. This is the whole point of this podcast. It's like Mythbusters, it's intimidating, but we're going to break it down together. We don't always have to defer to the most popular grapes, right? There's always Pinot Noir alternatives. So I do want to encourage everyone to get to know this grape varietal better from different parts of the world. But people also want to know, hey, I like Pinot Noir because it's one that's very common. You'll see it all the time at restaurants. What else can I get? You know, a lot of times I steer people towards Gamay, sometimes uh, Nebbiola d'Alba. Like there's other thin-skinned, low-phenolic compound grape varietals that are really exciting. You just have to be open to getting out of your comfort zone and knowing that about yourself. Like, I like Pinot Noir because of X, Y, and Z, not just because of the cultural conditioning around Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon. You know, we all know it. We all know and love it. Pinot Noir is dope. It's like when it has that concentrated cherry fruit bouquet, and as it gets older, it kind of turns, has like a little more barnyard, you know, if you ever get the chance to taste like 20 year old Pinot Noir from Burgundy, it's really a wild, wild wave to ride. The wines age incredibly well in a very interesting fashion. Anyway, that is Pinot Noir 411. What's the deal? And I think it's a good found, we're just layering the foundation. We're like a killer croissant, which I just had a chocolate one from Combi over the weekend. If you're in LA and shout out to Combi, that place is delicious. It's like the best chocolate croissant in LA. Hashtag controversial. I know, but it was so good. The layers. That's what we're doing here. We're Combi chocolate croissanting you one podcast at a time. Listen, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Helen Johannesson. This is Wine Face, where we're breaking down the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs and everything you want to know about wine. Everything, sometimes food and wine. You know, Pinot Noir goes really well with a classic dish, poulet roti, roasted chicken, y'all. Get it going. You can find me 
If you're in LA at Helen's Wines, we have two locations. It's a wine shop. It's inside of John and Vinny's. There's one on Fairfax, one on Brentwood, but you can also virtually find me on Instagram at Helen's Wines. Follow along. Hit us up in the DMs if you have questions, you have episodes you want to hear, comments, concerns. You can also check us out online, helenswines.com. The coolest thing about going to our website is if you live in the United States, you can now sign up for our wine club, which is shipping nationally every month. It's the coolest club to join. We also just launched seasonal six pack, seasonal case. If you don't want to commit to the club, but you want killer wine and you want it to come to your door, helenswines.com. We got you covered. Anyway, peace y'all. Please rate, review, and subscribe. I'd love to hear from you. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.